But today we're going to, in in our series through 1 Corinthians, line by line, precept upon precept, in in, in this little section, we're going to end this section, and again, talking about the profile of a spiritual adult part two. The profile of a spiritual adult part two. Father, we thank you, honor you, and, and bless you for your mercy and the fact that you have renewed us and given us the ability to understand and to draw near to you. And so, Father, today, as we as we have gathered in here today, I pray that, Lord God, we would engage and see what it means to, to grow up and to be uh, 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 more proficient in our commitment in living to you through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, in order for that to happen, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength, our redeemer in whom we trust. Help us today to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. Help us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may, you may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, again, this month is Organ Donor Awareness Month. Uh, in a few days, my wife will uh, celebrate 11 years of be- being transplanted, a liver transplant recipient, and um, three-time cancer survivor, and she's still here. Um, it's three times, you know, and that was before she was 40. And so, um, we, we have a heart for people. Somebody saw something, you know, well, I, I want all my stuff. What God gave to me when I came into the world, I want it all when I go out. And I'm like, well, first off, if you know Christ, if you read the Bible, it's going to come back to you better. So, so when you die, you don't need it no more. But somebody else does. And so just as Christ gave his body for us, why don't you uh, have your organs harvested? Um, uh, for the, and it's against the law for the person that says, well, I heard that when they need an organ for somebody important, it, they won't work on you so you can die to get your organs. That's against the law. Can't be done. All right. So on the back of your license, guess what you can do? You can have them when you get your license uh, given to you to say, I want to be an organ donor. And so because somebody died, my wife had the grace to live. And so if you if you would, why don't you be an organ donor today? All right. All right. All right. So so we're back in. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 2, and we're ending up this chapter, and, and, and we've been talking about through the book of 1 Corinthians, we've been talking about it's time to grow up. Look at somebody and say, it's time to grow up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, look at the person on the other side of you and say, I, I think I'm ready to grow up now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, it, it is imperative, it's, it's imperative that, that we be people who are ever progressing, it is impossible to be a believer in Jesus Christ and not be ever progressing like God has called you to do. The, the Christian life is a life of progression. Amen. And so in light of that reality, it's about positioning uh, possession and progress. Position in the sense that Christ has placed you in him through the Spirit. A uh, 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 possession means you're his, but progression means you're growing more to look like him. And so in light of that reality, though, in order for us to really, really be clear on where we are with Jesus Christ, there needs to be diagnostics done on us every now and then. And and, and let let me see if I can make it plain. Every time my car needs maintenance, um, they don't just assume something's wrong with it. What they do is they plug it into a a computer system and and, and plug it into a computer that's within my car. And that computer is always analyzing whether or not everything in the car is working correctly. And so when they plug their computer into that computer, it takes a diagnostic of what that computer has been looking around in the body of the car to see what was wrong with it. 
so that they can get signals of what needs to be fixed versus just fishing around. And so what happens is a sensor pops up, and these sensors pop up, and all of these sensors let the mechanic know that these are the places within the car that need fixing. And my mechanic, I always tell him, don't you ever just fix nothing. Now, some of y'all are looking at me funny because y'all got loot like that, but you don't just fix my car. You got to let me know what's wrong, what I can live with for a while. You know what I'm saying? Did, you ever told a mechanic, does that need to be done today? Like, what's the soonest that got to be? I mean, he gave me a, a Santa Claus sheet of stuff one time. Some of the cars tore up. And so I said, which one of these can I do to get from A to B? And, and so they give you a layout, but the things that you need to get done, they'll tell you these are the 911 things that really, really need to be done to pass inspection. And these are some things that you can just get done over time. And so the, being, being in Christ is the same way, is that God takes us through spiritual diagnostics as we are plugged into him. He plugs into the spirit that is within us, that is linked to the body of us, so that we can clearly see what's wrong with us, and he lays out a list of things that we need to work through, to be challenged through, and develop through. But what I like about God is I don't have to worry about the, what it financially takes to get my issues taken care of, because a long time ago on God Gotha's Hill, Christ's blood was shed so that all of my issues are dealt with. So I don't have to be on pins and needles about where I need to be because Christ has already taken three needles just for us. And because of that reality, now we, when, now, now we live in this uh, process called sanctification. Somebody say sanctification. And, and in being in this process of sanctification, what, what God is doing is, is he's, uh, he's progressively challenging us in our state in him to look more like Jesus Christ. Anybody that's heard me preach before knows that God has one goal and one goal only in order. He's predestined us. He foreknew us to be predestined to be conformed, chiseled, plickety-plick into the image of Jesus Christ. And so no matter what stage of your life you're in, you're in a stage of life where God is always trying to chisel and mirror image you into the image of Jesus Christ. Whether you're going through hell, whether nothing's going on, whether you're coming out of hell, or you're right now in the middle of it or about to go into it. Those are the three stages. You, all of its goal is for you to look like Jesus Christ. Every chapter, every verse, every precept, every word, every Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek word in the Bible is for us to look like Jesus. And so, and so as we look in, into Paul's letters in these few verses that we have today, we, we, see some, we see some interesting things as it relates to him talking some really, really high theological ideas that have really, really practical, practical implications for our walk with Jesus Christ. And so, and so today, I got one point for you today. For my point, people, I got one point. Because I know some of y'all take notes and y'all like, Pastor, what was the point? And I say, well, the verses were. But since I want to sum it up for you, give you a point, blah, blah, I got a point for you today. One point. So spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual adults depend on the Holy Spirit to change them from the core of their being. Let me say that again because y'all missed that. You, you should have shouted right there. See, I, see, see cause I got dependence on the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but spiritual adults depend on the Holy Spirit to change them from the core. Somebody say the core. The core of your being. God is about the core of what changes, not the symptoms. I want you to write that down somewhere. Uh, and so as Paul is jamming the Corinthian church, I mean, he is jamming them up. 
I mean, I mean, I mean, and he's sort of writing in a turned up attitude. He's feeling some kind of way, right? Paul feeling some kind of way right now <coughs> because the way they view him and because the way they view his, God's word. And so as he's talking to them, he's talking about the nature of how God changes people. Because he wants them to recognize that God doesn't change people based on their belief about how people get changed. So, so what he's trying to do is he's trying to give them the weightiness of the theological rootedness that helps people to look more like God through Jesus Christ. And so he says, for, those, uh, he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. So what he's doing is he's making a comparison <coughs> between the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells God the Father. You remember that from last week, right? That, it, did that rock your mind? Hold on. Did, did y'all hear that? The Holy Spirit is chilling up in God the Father. So he comprehends and interacts with God's thoughts, even though they share the same essence, because both of them are omniscient. But in some way in him being dwelt by his spirit, he now causes us through Christ to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But when you get saved, the, the, the way the spirit is able to indwell you is because you've been spiritually reconnected to God. That's why Jesus said, you must be what? born again. And so he said, you must be born of water and in spirit. So you must be sprinkled clean. The water is a symbol of cleansing. And born of spirit means you are now reconnected to God because you're no longer dead in your soul, your spirit uh, that's within you based on Adam's sin that entered the world. So when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, God says, based on Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, that I will sprinkle you clean with water, and I will remove the heart of stone, put a heart of flesh in you, take the old spirit out, and blow a brand spanking new spirit up in you. So now you, 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 you're reborn again. But, it, but, but we, would be, we would be improper, illegitimate children if we were born again without God being in the born againness. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Because he doesn't leave us in our spirit just being born again. But after that, if you read the verse, it's right there. It says, and then I will put my spirit in you. And guess what I'll do? I'll cause you to walk in my statues. See, everybody wants the Holy Spirit to do a whole bunch of other stuff. But if we just get the original reason why he saved us right, the original reason why he put his spirit in us is so that we can walk in truth. That, that's the original reason. By, that was prophesied. If you want a good prophecy, that was a prophecy from Ezekiel 36. I prophesy that the reason why you got the Holy Spirit is so you can walk with Jesus. Wish I had some help right there. But, and, and, so, and, so, and so here in this passage, Paul is not ignorant of that ideal. So, so, when, he, so when he says here, he says, he says, for who knows a person's thoughts? This is powerful, except for the spirit that is within the person. So the spirit that is within you always knows what's going on with you. Always. Your spirit in you knows your thoughts and your intentions and your motives. That's the place you grow from. Okay, now, the word know there is interesting. The word know here is gnosko, which points back to the word in the Old Testament, yada, which means to know something intimately. So, so in other words, nobody knows you like you. Yeah. 
Or you missed that. But then he says, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. So no one knows God like God. Okay? So our spirit within us has been renewed, and it knows us intimately. But it's an except for the spirit of a man. So our new spirit that God has renewed in us is, a, is, is, is our renewed consciousness in Jesus Christ. Let me explain this. <clears throat> I want you to really, really pay attention to this. Uh, it, we, we have a renewed consciousness. Now, <clears throat> this consciousness is our perfected soul that is being renewed into the image of Jesus Christ day by day. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says we are being renewed. Though the outer body is decaying, our spiritual man is, uh, is growing and being renewed. What? Day by day. Stay with me because I want to teach this for a second. So our new spirit, based on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, is our connection to the Holy Spirit. <coughs> How do we know that? Because back in Ezekiel 36, us being born again, the Holy Spirit indwells our spirit, not our flesh. That's a key difference. Okay, it, 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 because he's not trying to influence our flesh. He's trying to influence our what? Spirit. And so because he doesn't indwell in, in our flesh, he doesn't talk to the flesh at all. That's your job. I, I, I wish I had time. But, 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 but it's not our job. To, it's not his job to talk to our flesh. It's his job to talk to our spirit. Now, your spiritual growth is based on how responsive you are to the Holy Spirit and your spirit overriding your flesh as you walk with God. Oh, my God. Y'all looking at me funny. Maybe I'm not explaining. Let's get some more information. And so this is why the spirit speaks to the renewed part of us, not the old part of us. Because the old part of us can't hear. He was like my mama said, deep. He wasn't deaf. He was deep. That's not hearing on steroids. That's what my mama said, right? And so, and so no, 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 pardon me for those who have hearing issues. But, but, but to express the point, you understand what I'm saying. So in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, helps us to understand the way in which the Spirit of God communicates to us. I'm going to turn there really, really quickly. In Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Can I read it real quick? It says, so then, brothers, we are, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, big S, you put to death the deeds of the body. Who puts to death the deeds of the body? <laughs> now, why are we able to put to death the deeds of the body? Because Jesus was put to death on our behalf. See the difference? Now stay with me because I want us to really get this. I don't want you to, I want you to really get this. Now check this out. It says, for all who are led by the big S, spirit of God, are sons. Wow. That means you know you're a child. I remember a brother asked me the other day, because the Bible will say later, in our spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness in our spirits that we're children of God. How does he do that? Through you responding to him. Whenever you say yes to God through the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? That's him bigging you up that you're a part of God's body. Not some mystical way, say Abba, 
Say, Abba, in your heart. Like, saying Abba, in your heart is responding properly to what the Spirit says. And I'm going to tell you how you know the Spirit's talking to you. Because he doesn't talk apart from some, a certain thing that I'm reading today. So we'll say that in a second. It says, in verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the little s spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the big s spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the big S spirit himself bears witness in our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. And so we see that the Holy Spirit interacts with our spirit, but it's our job for our spirit to challenge our flesh. The more you grow spiritually, you're not going to let the flesh get the best of you. Although we don't wrestle against flesh and blood in relation to outer forces, Galatians 5 and Galatians 6 say we do wrestle against flesh, and the spirit and flesh wrestle against each other. Now, when I say flesh, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about the mindset that hates God. Now, even though you're born again, you got old school residue from the old nature that's inside the body that hates the fact that you've been born again. So you got to fight that punk every now and then. I'm by myself. But if I'm honest about myself, I got to get in a fight. Your spiritual growth is about you growing in your strength to tell your, your flesh no. If you don't grow in telling your flesh no, you're going to stay in the same place. That's why when you sin over and over and over and over and over again, you don't grow spiritually in that area because you're letting the flesh rule, not the spirit. And so, and so, 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 so now, now, now look, 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 let's go a little further. It says, it, says, it is bearing, that is, in bearing witness in our spirit, he calls us to apply the fruit of the spirit in every area of our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, love in every single area of our life. And so let's look at this idea of conscience. We're still in 1 Corinthians, but I want you to look at uh, first, uh, the Romans chapter 9, verse 1. It says, I am speaking the truth. I am not lying. I like when he says that. My conscience bears witness, bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. <coughs> now, I want to explain conscience. This is very, very important. Because this is the part of the believer that always needs challenging and developing. Are you still trekking with me this morning? All right, all right. So conscience, what is a conscience? The conscience is the alarm system of the soul. Everybody has a conscience, whether you're a believer or non-believer. The issue with the conscience is the conscience has values that you accept that it holds you accountable to living up to. Are you tracking with me? So what happened is, before we trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the demonic world was our spirit. So therefore, there were values that were placed within us that our conscience called us back to. Even if you were a moral person, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't save you. Because even if your conscience told you moral things, those moral things don't save you. However, your conscience was God's design to put into the life of the believer, to, uh, for the person to have a system set up in place to call you back to valuable principles that you say you value. That's why in Romans chapter 2, 
the people that don't know Jesus Christ are going to be held accountable to their conscience. Why? Because they, God's going to show the unbeliever that you didn't even walk in what you believed. But let's not even go to the gospel yet. You couldn't even keep your own commandments. That's what he's going to tell them, right? Uh, but, but for us in, as believers, self-awareness, and I, please help me, self-awareness that judges whether this is conscious, whether or not an act one has carried out or plans to carry out is in harmony with one's moral standards. And so when the Bible talks about the spirit bears witness in our, I mean, back to uh, first, uh, first Corinthians, right here up in First Corinthians chapter uh, 2 verse 11, it says, uh, for, uh, who knows a person's thoughts except for the spirit of a person? Somewhere in there and somewhere I don't understand is the conscience. I don't even understand. And the Bible talks a lot about the conscience uh, uh, in, in the Bible. It's interesting where it talks about fallen consciences. In Titus chapter 1 verse 15, please humor me for a second. It says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. <laughs> so now he's talking about people who make decisions in the flesh because they have a faulty value system of moralism that informs them in concert with their flesh. Are you tracking with me? And so, so I want you to get this because this is all building the foundation for our growth. Am I losing anybody yet? You're getting lost yet. I just want to make sure you got this. Okay, okay, so, so what happens when you get saved, Jesus renews our spirits and replants us with new values in our conscience. Now, I'm going to talk about informing your conscience with the word of God so that it can be replanted in biblical values versus human values. Okay, th that's the key. That's how the spirit and our spirit bears witness that we're children of God. But not only that, does what Paul says, it knows our thoughts and holds us accountable to what we say we believe. If you want to, that's why some people, the Bible says over 1 Timothy chapter 4, they're seared in their own consciences as with a branding iron because therefore they have no value system. They just do whatever. That's, that's immature. Now, I know we don't have no Christians that just do whatever, you know, and just seek their own desires and their own passions and don't allow the spirit. I know that doesn't happen at Epiphany Fellowship because we're a fully spiritually mature flirt church two minutes away from glorification now before Jesus Christ returns. But I'm talking to those who have some struggles with their conscience fighting with what God says and what man says. <laughs> so Jesus redeems us through the blood by the Spirit of God to have proper consciences. It's interesting, um, when my alarm system, if it goes off in my house, it will let me know where the breaches are. In other words, it'll say zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four. In other words, when, when it goes off, it doesn't just tell me that something happened. When I look at the screen, it'll tell me exactly where the breach took place. See, that's what your conscience renewed through Jesus Christ is supposed to do. It's supposed to alarm you. Yo, homie, homat, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Don't ignore that. Don't, don't ignore the alarm system that God has renewed and set up for your good. But see, but see the more you get used to ignoring your spirit connected to God's spirit, then guess what happens? You begin, to, you begin to not hear from God. Then when you're ready to hear from him, God doesn't just upgrade you to the place where you were supposed to be when you should have been listening three years ago. 
You got to push back and work through what happened to put the earwax in your spirit so that you can rehear from God. Oh, God, help me today. And see, you got to have this stuff. It's some stuff. I had some bad earwax problems, and I went to Rite Aid and got me this stuff. I don't know if you had that thick earwax where you can't hear nothing. And, 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 it, and it says, and it says <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> it says, it, you pour this stuff that looks like water in your ear, and it says, hold your ear up. And as you hold your ear up, the stuff gets around into the earwax. And then what you do is you do like this, and this just goes clack how It just comes straight out. See, that's what we're supposed to do to get our hearing back spiritually, is we got to pour righteousness within it and hold it up to God. And as we hold it up to God, and he moves some stuff around and remove it and, and pulls it all out, then we go like this, and all of the gook that was in the way of us hearing God is moved out of the way. It's moved out of the way. So, 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 so the word of God now, so, 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 so what happens is, 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 but this is not general informity. Stay with me, please. This is not just general informity. This is informity that's based on God's word. God's word. The Holy Spirit isn't just a general talker. He leads us into truth. In the hood, we say truth. That means it's really, really true, right? And he leads you in the truth. And so, and so when the Spirit of God, who is in God, comprehends what God wants for us, he lives in us with our spirit who acts as an epicenter for us to deal with our issues. He comprehends from God based on the Word, but you have to have Word in you for the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. Jesus told his disciples, he says, the Spirit will bring back to your remembrance all the things that I've taught you. Now, if you ain't got nothing in your memory bank, did you get that? Holy Spirit is going to tell me. He don't tell you nothing apart from God's word. Nothing. There it is again. Nothing. And so you got to have a word in you. So that your spirit, with the Holy Spirit, your spirit is being trained to hear anew. So the Spirit of God talks to your spirit about God's word, not general thoughts. So you, in order to grow spiritually, help me, Spirit of God, you have to have word in you because that is the language of your spirit. And so if you don't have word in you, the Holy Spirit can't train you. That's why it says, who knows the thoughts of a man except for the spirit of a man, but then who knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. And those two collide, but they meet in the word of God in us. Let me move. I got to keep going. <clears throat> it's interesting. So also, so also, uh, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. This is crazy. So the God's Spirit, aka the Holy Spirit, operates based on the value system of God the Father in all respects. Always operating on God's <clears throat> value system. What's interesting, though, as I was reading this, I was like, the Sp- Holy Spirit is called. Spirit of truth, spirit of adoption, spirit of Christ. But most of the time in the Bible, he's called the Holy Spirit. Out of all, out of all the things that the Holy Spirit could be called, why would God dominate what well, he signed his own name? Because he wrote the Bible through men who were carried along by God. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, just in case you need a verse. But what happens is, 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 is holiness defines him. Why? 
Because holiness is a basic aspect of what it means to be separate from mess. Are you hearing me today? I'm preaching by myself. Help me today. And so, and so, and so, so the Spirit of God being called Holy Spirit means holiness is that attribute of God that permeates all of who God is. So he's holy grace, holy mercy, holy omniscience, holy everything can be described as clean and set apart, right? Holy glory, everything about it. Now, since he, he says, be holy for I am holy. So if he lives in us, what the Holy Spirit is trying to work out of us is mess because he's the Holy Spirit, not a messy spirit. Okay. So, 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 the, so, so, so verse 12, look at what it says. It says, now, this, this is how we see that y'all know I'm, I'm in the Bible. Look at verse 12. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world. The demonic arrangement, the world, uh, the, the word their world means cosmos, which means an organized arrangement that's set up against God. And there are elemental spirits based on Colossians chapter 1, uh, 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 no, 2 verse 9, I, I was wrong on that address, that talk about the elemental spirits and submitting ourselves back to the elemental spirits or Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 where we were, we were led by the prince and power of the air, the spirit that's within the sons of disobedience. So he said, I didn't give you a spirit of the world, the, the organized arrangement that Satan has set up against me. See, when you grow spiritually, you know the difference between God's arrangement and man's arrangement. The more you grow up, the more you grow spiritually, you begin. That's why he talks about discernment later, that, that the spiritual man discerns or pr- I can't, oh, I don't want to get there yet. But, but that's rich than a mug. Wait till we get there. But, but, but man, it's, it's, it's booming in the text because what we're seeing is, is that this arrangement, he says, he says, he says we didn't see, receive a spirit of the fallen arrangement of the world, but the spirit who is from God. He says that we might understand the things freely given us. That's beautiful. I don't know how many of you think of Christianity as a bondage religion. But there's so many passages on freedom. For he who the Son sets free, free indeed. Tip said it earlier. For freedom Christ has set us free. Another verse says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, the battle you're having is everything that God has, Satan has a counterfeit of it. Y'all think I'm lying. Now, remember in verse 10 last week, it says the Spirit of God searches all things, even the what? Depths or deep things of God. Now, check what Revelation, don't turn there, 224 says. But the rest of you, Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. So everything God has, Satan has a counterfeit. Now, the issue with a growing Christian is that you have to know what a counterfeit is. You got to know what a counterfeit opportunity is. I'm going to make it real plain, real quick. You got to know what a counterfeit dude is. You got to know what a counterfeit chick is. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. You, you, you got you to got, you got, you got look at, you, you, you got to be able as you go spirit. Sometimes you won't even know real clear. You'll just, the Spirit of God will just wiggle you a little bit. And you'll just be like, I don't, I don't know. But some may, you ain't got a verse for it yet. But you, I, I, my, you, and you'll say it just like this. My spirit just don't, you ever felt that way? 
before you, I don't even know why. See, that's how you know you're growing. Because the other, you know, a few weeks ago, you'd have been different. You'd have been like, oh, shoot, I'm going after it. But see, when you get saved, you, you're not impressed with everything. Help me, God. <laughs> you're impressed with God. And so even when something glistens, you say, I don't know, there's something about, there's something about that dude, man. I don't know what they'll find out later. But don't, listen, don't ignore that, though. Even without, even if, if, don't try to make a verse on it if there's no verse given. But if you have any reservation about anything, you wait on God. Wish I had time. And so, and so that's why he's telling us the difference between spiritual, uh, spirituality that is worldly and spirituality that is godly. Because he talks about the way in which the Holy Spirit, is this clear to anybody in here today? And so, and so, and so, and so, and so this, this, this is what I love. But the verses is, oh, I got so, oh, God, help me. Ah, oh, let me move past that. Ah, oh, man. Okay, freely given. Yeah, back to freely given. So freely given, I wanted to say something else. So, so this idea of freely given is the believer grows in our ability to see the Christian life as freedom versus bondage. Now, this is the, this is the greatest growth area for every Christian. Because the fight of a believer is to believe that God has better than the devil. I'm, I'm just telling you right now. You, you, you may not hear me now. Give, me, give, give yourself five to ten years. You're going to believe me in a minute. But, but I'm just letting you know. Your fight is most of you who struggle with anything struggle because you're, 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 you're mishandling a passion that God has legitimately given. But the belief system that's under the, tr- the hood of your car is that God doesn't want me to enjoy myself. So who does? Satan. But you don't say Satan. You just start enjoying the enjoyment, acting like it ain't Satan, the one that's giving you the opportunity. And so what you do is you find yourself in a deep place of bondage. Help me, Holy Spirit. Because you're believing a non-believing belief system. That's a stronghold, by the way. Where you believe and you let Satan's mindset be exalted above God. Most of our bondages and our lack of spiritual growth is connected to a disbelief that God wants us to be free. And when we get, I'm just telling you everything that I deal with today. I'm fighting through, I was confessing sin to my wife. Was it this morning or last night? I confess sin. I'm a, I don't care, I'm a pastor, but I'm, I want to grow. So well, when was it, last night or this morning? I can't remember. But I was conf- And I was just telling her the process I had to go through, and the Spirit had to take me to, to believe that God had good for me. Like, I literally started believing that God's enjoyment was bunk enjoyment. And so as, and even, and, and it was, listen, it was points in it where I'm like, I really need, I really, like, why is this hard to shake? I'm like, why is this? I'm like, where, where? Uh, but when I, be, when, I saw, when, I, when I looked at what would it look like to give this up, I felt a sense of great loss. And I said, I shouldn't feel loss, great loss because of sin. That's not renewed thinking. Because if I believe that for freedom Christ has set us free and the Spirit is given to us to show us that God gives us everything freely, then why can't I give this thing up if God has more for me than Satan? I'm by myself. I struggle. You know, and so, and, so, and so what I had to fight through and work through is getting the word in me. In, because I didn't have a word in my life in that area, and the Holy Spirit couldn't make the connection for me. 
He doesn't override the word of God. He uses the word that you know to set you free. Wish I had help. See, 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 see. And what has to happen is, is that is the key, the lock actually, that unlocks your ability for your spirit in that area to be connected to the Holy Spirit so that you can walk over. Then you're like, dang. Then when you finally get there, you're like, I wish I'd have gave this joint up a long time ago. <laughs> so, so for freedom, so he's freely given. Do you know how much freedom? That's, that's what it means to grow. It means to change your mind about what freedom is. That's why Paul called himself a bond servant before he called himself an apostle. He said, I don't want my being sent by God to override me being connected to God. Because it's possible to minister for him and function out of connection with him. I'm by myself. Let me move. Let me move. It says, so, so listen to what he says. And this is this, this how you know. We're still in the text. Look, look at verse 13. He says, and we impart this in words, listen, not taught by human wisdom. <laughs> you got to shut some folk up. Let me keep going. He says, and taught by the Spirit. What are these words that taught by the Spirit? The Word of God. He said, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now remember, those who are spiritual here in the passage means spiritually mature. So, 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 so he says, I'm speaking spiritual truths. Spiritual truths aren't just some deep statement from some theologian. It's the Bible. Okay? Now, so what are, what, what are we taught by the Spirit? I like this. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says something dope. It says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Somebody say being transformed. That's process, you know that, right? It ain't say been, are, or is. It says being, transform. Listen, transform into the same image. What image? The image that Moses stood before on the mountain and, look, and, and had to come down and veil his face, and the glory faded off of him. Now, he, we don't have to veil our face because we stare in God's face unveiled through Christ. So as we grow, God, us, and the Spirit are looking at that image, and we're moving towards that image through the Word of God. Look at the verse. It says, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. That's helpful. And so he says, for this comes from the Lord. I like this. Who is the Spirit? That means the Holy Spirit is God. That's speaking of his deity. So those who are spiritual, spiritual persons are those whom, uh, those Christians in whom the Spirit has really become a fundamental power source for life. See, if you're going to, if you, you let's, being Holy Ghost filled, we believe in the gifts. But it's possible to speak in tongues and prophesy and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because gifts don't have to do with the filling of the Spirit. Because they're freely giving. Being in the, the, the listen, let, let me, oh, help me, God. Being filled with the Spirit is most identified, with, that can go under, now gifts can go under the umbrella of that, but the main thrust of being filled is not that. And so we must recognize that reality. So he has to become a fundamental power source for life. That's why the Bible says that Jesus Christ had to, when he got baptized, the Spirit of God came upon him, because even in his incarnation, he needed the Spirit. I got to keep moving. I got to finish this up. I told y'all I finished this week. He says, the natural person does not, verse 14, does not accept the things of the spiritual God. Spirit of God. It, it, 
it, it, it, it really scares me when someone that calls himself a Christian rejects, not struggles, because I struggle with a lot of things in the Bible, but I don't, it, there's a difference between struggle and rejection. There's a big difference. Like, 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 like when Jesus gave the hard word, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Dude's like, Jesus is tripping. Dude's walked off. Like, see, this, this is why we, I can't be involved with this situation. Right? You know what I'm saying? But, what's, but what the disciple does is even though you don't understand everything that God is saying to you, you stick around because you trust his character, even though you don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> I'm by myself. And so, and so, and so, and so what, what's, needed, what's needed for us, family of God, is being in that place. Where are we to go for you are the one with the words to eternal life? Peter basically said, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Like, I don't. But where else are we going to go? Because you're the source of life. And so you got the words. So I'm just going to stick in there. But I know at some point you're gonna, you got to, but you're going to have to break this down at some point. But, you know, um, but God doesn't always reveal you to you everything now. I'm right. I'm right. The book I'm right. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm writing a book right now. I'm talking about that. Is uh, anyway. Verse 15. I got to move. I'm, I'm out of time, but I wanted to get through this. The spiritual person judges all things. It's powerful. This word judgment means to evaluate and discern. That means Christians aren't to be stupid. Christians are not called to be dummies. This is not a good answer. You know, all I know is what he done for me. That, that's not, that's no in the Bible. That's, that's not in the Bible. The Bible says, the Bible says, set Jesus Christ aside as Lord in your heart in order that you may give a reason for the hope that is within you. And so the spiritual man and woman appraises all things. That word can be, be translated appraise. New American Standard translated appraise. Or some translations say discern. That means that God has set up an appraisal system in you through the word of God. Where you set up whether something value, you, 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 you know what I'm saying? You, and you're able, you have, I, I watch this thing called uh, Pawn Stars, the pawn shop thing. And man, the dude going there and somebody brings something in and they say, this looks legit. But you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, know, I, I don't know what it is. I got to call my expert in this particular area. So the expert come in and know like obscure stuff about a piece of paper. Like they knew what Abraham Lincoln's handwriting look like. I'm like, you're like, how do you know that? You know what I'm saying? What Babe Ruth's handwriting look like? What year this ball was made? I'm just like, how do you even know that and all this detail on it? It's because they've studied it. And they have a sense and they have, a, they have the ability through that study to be able to tell a counterfeit from what's weird, real. And so when they look at it, they say, oh, nah, see these stitchings that's on this? These stitchings didn't exist back in 1850. But these weren't created until about 1916 um, when, and then they start, after World War I, and they start walking, you'd be like, how do you even know that? That's because they're into knowing, because they value the real so much, that they're so into it, they become like a geek of it. Like when you love God, you become a Bible geek. Like I ain't, I ain't got no Bible geeks. You become a Jesus geek. You, <coughs> you'd be like, I want to know intricately about my Lord. And see, and see, the spiritual man doesn't reject because you know that it takes time to process through what God says. So even though you don't understand it on the front end, you walk with God longer so that he can make things clearer so that you can become more skillful in your life in discerning good from evil. 
That's why it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that that word is again. That means to test, <coughs> to appraise whether or not something's from God. If you have a track record of not knowing God's will, you're not a mature Christian. Even if you're confused, like, I don't know if this is the time. It's like, but there's a process. You seek God on it. And if he doesn't speak, guess what you do? You sit still. See, y'all missed that. You missed your shout moment. Because, because even though you're sitting still, it doesn't mean you're stagnant. See, see don't, don't, don't mistake God not revealing the next stage of your walk with him with stagnance. I got to move. I'm by myself. Verse 16 is, is nasty, right? This is nastiness. I'm over time, but I got to finish it. It's, this is pure biblical nastiness. Check this out. Verse 16, he says, he says, for who understands the mind of the Lord so that he can instruct him? In other words, can't nobody tell God what to do. Grandmama knew that, right? Right? And I don't say that in jest. God do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, baby. You, better, you know, she'll tell you off about the sovereignty of God without using the word sovereignty. All right. Latter part of verse 16. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And so, and so look, it says, but we have the mind of Christ. That is nastiness. Now, that means that when you trust Jesus Christ, you have the capacity to think like Jesus Christ. That's crazy. Now, not on his omniscient level, but I'm talking about on the renewal that he brings through his humanity that is redeemed when he raised from the grave. So that means you have the capacity to think very, very deep thoughts. Don't ever tell me I'm just a simple-minded person and I just, no, no, you're not. That's not what the Bible says. We, not he and not she, we have the mind of Christ. Now, we don't instruct him, though. That's what the first part of the verse says. But it says we have the mind. That means, but just because you have the mind of Christ, you don't have the information that informs the mind. So your mind is not a, in some ways, a blank, but not, it's a blank canvas in many ways. But, but what happens is, is now this is the place in the mind of Christ where we deposit the word of God so that we can utilize his word properly in his life because you can't think and grow in the mind of Christ until you deposit word in it. That's why Paul, Peter says, I'm closing, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, he says, and add to your faith moral excellence and moral excellence knowledge. Why did he say add knowledge? The Bible. And see, let me just tell you something. You, you're not going to, I'm just telling you, you're going to have to learn to value God's word, family. Listen, listen, when you put, when you put, when you get a computer, it's a blank state, slate. It has everything within it to be used by the manufacturer. But until you get some software and some programs and some stuff put on it, it doesn't live up to the potential by which it was created. And so you got to download some stuff. And sometimes downloading takes a while, which I had some help. But, but, but what you want to do is you want to put the disk in there or you, or you use uh, the Internet to download the information on it so that the more you put on that computer, because you got, you got, some, you got a high-speed processor called the mind of Christ. That's a high-speed, top-of-the-line, no-need-for-upgrading processor. I upgrade my computer, my laptop every two, three years. Because the processor changed. But God created a, he has a processor that was created 2,000 years ago 
through Christ dying on the cross for our sins and being raised up. Why? So that we can be able to process everything that he wants us to know and understand and walk in. And so my desire today is to see us as believers walk in the design processing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes you grow up is when you, when you believe that the word of God is sufficient. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. I was going to close, get Aaron on the organ, but I'm done. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. Thank you for um, just the profile of what it means to grow up and, and that the Spirit of God, you do what you do to sort of just help us to, to walk in, develop in, and to grow in every aspect of life in Jesus Christ. And so, God, I, I just pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would that, that you would help us to be determined that we're going to let the word of God inform us, we're going to let the word of God is, uh, strengthen us, that we're going to let the word of God direct us, that we're going to let the word of God sort of ju- just, just be our all in all in, in us believing. Like, God, you, you're, like, you're trustworthy. And that our spirits may grow and that we can be all that you want us to be. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.